Hey there, this is Hannah McGee, and welcome to the iHeart2C podcast. Join my husband, John, and me as we talk about all the happenings in our favorite place, Canyon County. We'll be highlighting businesses, organizations, and just plain old people that make this such a great place to live. If you're tired of all the negative on the news and social media and need some inspiration, you have come to the right place. Canyon County is one of the fastest growing areas in the country. It's a great place to live, and it's where we're raising our family. We're going to take a few minutes each week to talk about the place we call home, the good folks, and the great happenings going on in Caldwell, Nampa, and beyond. So join us here at the iHeart2C podcast. This episode is brought to you by Skyline Homes. Skyline Homes has a unique approach to land development. Their home construction begins with a disciplined approach to evaluating markets, acquiring land, and creating value through the planning process. Pride and personal involvement in the work that they perform result in superior quality and service. This philosophy has distinguished them from the crowd of other developers in this ever-evolving business. To find out more, visit SkylineHomesDevelopment.com. That's SkylineHomesDevelopment.com. All right. Thank you, everyone, for joining us again here at iHeart2C. I'm Hannah McGee, your co-host, along with John McGee. And we have another special guest. We are talking about the breweries in Canning County. And we have another um, person we are excited to talk to, uh, Dan Love, uh, the founder of Mother Earth Brewery. Welcome, Dan. Thank you for coming. Thank you very much, Hannah. Enjoy it. Yes. Dan, we're glad you made it up to Canyon County. And yeah. You're- <laughs> We're, I, we love your beer. I'm, the Buku is my favorite. And so we're, we're excited to talk to you. Talk to Great. us about awesome. making the move up to God's country up here to, to Canyon <laughs> County and what that entailed. You know, um, we, uh, we looked for, we looked and tried to work with uh, government in the state that we started in, in California, uh, tried to get a number of opportunities um, uh, for help. Um, governmental help uh, for expanding the business, and we we just struck out numerous times. We couldn't get uh, we couldn't get any government help. Uh, we we just weren't a big enough business, I think, to make a difference in California. And so we started searching, and I searched um, throughout uh, the Pacific Northwest, Oregon, Washington. Both states were very similar to California as far as business. Um, just didn't appear to be government didn't appear to be business friendly. All they appeared to be really good at was building roadblocks to being a successful business. Sure. Right. And then I met with a lady who worked for BVAP downtown, Jana, Jana Johnson. And um, she volunteered actually to fly to San Diego to present to our owners. We're still family owned. We don't have any big investors. It's my wife, myself, my brother, my stepson, um, and a friend. So um, it's 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 our money and and the banks. Mm-hmm. Sure. But um, uh, so I didn't uh, I didn't I told her look I'll come up and I want to visit. When I used to work in the corporate world, I used to visit this area. So I was familiar with uh, uh, the Treasure Valley from about early two thousands, and I traveled up here three or four times a year for my old job. Mm-hmm. And so I um, always thought to be a great place to retire. I didn't think at the time it'd be a great place to move my business to. It's a big move when you're talking about moving. Sure. It's not like just it's not like you're moving your house. You're moving brewery equipment and yes. widgets and thousands and thousands of different things. Right. 
But um, the incentive package that the state was able to provide to us, uh, essentially tax-free status for the life of the business on all raw goods, meaning all the grain we buy, all the bag grain we buy, anything we'd use to brew with, and any equipment purchase um, was a huge, I mean, out of the gate, we had a $3.5 million SBA loan. That saved us about $150,000. Wow. wow, that's great. And um, the move, I mean, it wasn't difficult. I moved, we moved here. I brought my wife here one time, took her up to the Sawtooth, took her up to Stanley Lake, <laughs> yes. spent a weekend there. Sold. And she immediately said, I can do this. Yeah. How could she not? Yeah. I said, well, that was, that was, and that was in October too. So it was fall. It was beautiful at the lake. And, you know, we fished and we have fishing kayaks. So she fell in love with it. And we sold our home six years ago and moved here wow. and have lived here since. And then I just traveled back to California uh, on occasion, uh, COVID's made it, it's made it bad, but on, as far as travel goes, it's made it great because I don't have to go back there as often. Sure. Um, cause it's a long drive. I don't like to fly a lot. I used to fly in the corporate life and I was actually in an airplane when nine 11 happened. So oh, goodness, I, uh, if I get the opportunity to drive, I drive. I think that's smart. Talk to us about your passion for beer. You obviously don't become the CEO of a big <laughs> of a brewery without having some yeah. sort of passion for the product. How, where did that come from? So I was, I was involved as, you know, a hobbyist. I basically started this business out of my garage and, um, you know, my brother and my stepson and I used to all get together and brew beer. And we used to always think that we're going to do the next greatest thing that we could possibly do. Um, the process is, is work, you know, but it's fun and it's fun when you do it with other people. And, you know, it just became kind of a, well, I'd really, I'd really like to get out of the, the doggy dog world of the corporate world that I lived in. Uh, money wasn't the most important thing. It was more about being happy. And um, I'll tell you, when I told my wife, I wanted to quit my corporate job and start a brewery. Uh, we, we had some, we had some struggles for about six months in the relationship. Sure. Yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. Can only imagine. You, you don't start a brewery to become rich. Right. You start a brewery because it's um, it's a passion. And people used to say to me, you know, well, if you could pick your dream job, what is it? And I always used to say, well, you know, this is when I lived as I was in the corporate. I used to say, well, I'd love to be like a football or baseball scout. That would be a lot of fun. But now when people ask me that question, I basically can tell them I wake up every day and yeah. I go to my dream job. That's cool. That's great. A lot of people you know? would like to be there. That's for sure. So yeah. you, not only is this your dream job and do you have a little brewery, but you guys have had not just national success, but international success. And, and there's enough. a there's a bunch of breweries out there. Mm -hmm. What is it about what you guys have done that's that's been so successful and everybody everybody wants to be a part of? Yeah. You know, um, a lot of it has to do, it doesn't have anything to do with me, it has to do with the people we hired. You know, we have... We, we kind of, uh, one of the caveats of moving to Idaho and getting these tax benefits is I had to agree to pay a certain status level. I couldn't pay below that. Sure. Um, and so that was, I was all in, all the owners were all in for that because we typically want to maintain the family feeling as we grow. It's hard to do. Not everybody buys into it. Um, but um, you also want to pay them. I, I mean, I can't, I can't walk through the brewery and and see somebody that I, that I might be paying 10 bucks an hour and, and go home that night and say, I don't know how this guy's making ends meet. He's got a wife, he's got two kids and he's working for 10 bucks an hour. It's sure. just, and let alone the minimum wage in this state, if I really wanted to be a jerk, I could pay him seven seventy five. Mm, 
Right. Um, and, but you know, you just can't do that. You, if you want to keep your people, you got to pay them and they're a value to the business. And part of our success has been not only, the, I'll just say it's the brewing floor is a blue collar environment. And then when you get into the offices, the people that sell the beer into big corporations like Kroger and Albertsons, it's more of an executive white collar job. And those people, um, it takes the people on the floor to brew a great product. We have a laboratory that helps that. And then we have the people in the offices that sell it into the stores. And we always focused on being grocery forward. It's nice to have your beer. I mean, it's great to go into bars and see your beer on tap all the time. Sure. Every time I act like a little kid when I see it. Sure. It's never, it never is, oh, yeah, my beer's on tap, big deal. You know, it's always mm-hmm. like, wow, the beer's on tap here. I can't believe it. Um, but you don't make a lot of money in the bar world. You know, mm-hmm. you sell your kegs for, you know, a certain amount. The distributor takes 30%. The retailer gets 30%. You get what's left over. Wow. But on packaged product and in grocery, uh, you can, you don't have to go talk to the bar, the beer buyer, uh, and hope he puts you in rotation for a keg every month. Mm-hmm. You talk to someone at Kroger in Cincinnati and they say, yeah, we're going to put you in every every store throughout the state of California, Oregon, and Washington. Wow. So that's where the, that's where the light bulb goes on. It's like, so that's how you grow this business. You don't grow this business by having your kegs and bars all over the country. It's yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a chicken egg thing, mm-hmm. but you grow your business by packaging a product, a great product, and then getting it out so people can taste it. And the best way you can do that is, is really in supermarkets. Sure. Right. So I mentioned earlier, my favorite is the Buku, right? I, I yep. love that. It's got a great citrus taste to it. I love it. What, what's, what's your favorite or what's the one that you really hang your hat on as, as far as Mother Earth is concerned? All of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You make them for sure. My, uh, so Buku is still one of my original recipes. It hasn't been nuanced or changed. Uh, there's still a few out there that my director of brewing operations, who's a, a chemist and far exceeds my knowledge in brewing. Um, and he's nuanced a lot of this, but my favorite is our double IPA called hop diggity. Oh, sure. So sure. It's a really, really, uh, I mean, I, I only have to drink a couple of those and I'm pretty good for the evening. And uh, I like beer. That's really bitter. I, I just years ago can remember when I used to drink uh, stone did a beer called ruination and it literally tasted like I was putting a bare aspirin on my tongue and letting it melt. <laughs> wow. And so, you know, it's just a develop. It's like people, I still can't drink black coffee. I mean, my mm-hmm. wife drinks it and I go, I don't know how you can stand that stuff. It is so bitter. And she oh. goes, well, it's a, you, you know, you develop a taste for it. And I got to put like a half a, a glass of creamer in mine. Sure. sure. Yeah. That's awesome. Sure. So you guys, yeah. I mean, you've built this 40,000 square foot facility in Nampa and so clearly you're invested in Idaho and Canyon County, which we love, but what's, what's next for you guys? I mean, obviously there's some growth going on there and there's a lot of success. Well, just coming out of what we've been through for two years, survival would be number one. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. Because uh, fortunately, you know, we learned, a, we learned a, a few things on the, on the people front. Um, and we learned a few things about why it was so good to be in grocery when you go through a pandemic and people hoard stuff, you know, yeah, your sales yes. skyrocket. Um, but we also learned that, you know, we haven't invested just a single sales rep um, throughout different states. They, they're about a $100,000 investment for the business because they get a car and they get health care insurance and all this other stuff. 
what we found out is that in a lot of the markets where we were paying for reps, we were selling more without the rep than with the rep. Wow. Wow. And so that was another light bulb moment is like, so do we really need to have all these remote employees all over the country? Because what, what you've seen in the industry is a lot of big breweries start to fail. You know, the modern times is the green flashes. Um, there's a lot of them out there that are struggling Figaro mountain because they expanded. They took on a ton of debt. They had 30 to 40 reps all over the place and it, it just ate them alive. And so I don't want that to happen to us because like I said, I'm the investor in this business and you know, my pockets aren't as deep as somebody that has, you know, 10 or 20 venture capitalists that are taking part in their business. And it's really nice because I don't have anybody who tells me what we are going to do. Yeah. And, and so for our growth, I think it's going to be, it's always, so we're never going to be sexy. We're just not a sexy brand. Um, my stepson who's 40 always tells me, you know, God, we need to be more sexy. It's like, dude, I'm 62 years old. It's pretty hard to get any <laughs> <Yeah>. sexier than I <laughs> That's right. And, you know, in the end, and it's this, you know, the saying the turtle wins the race. Yeah. And so we just stay slow and steady and we focus on our, our issues and we don't focus on anybody else's because quite frankly, if I get all caught up in other people's problems, then I can't focus on the ones I'm having. Yeah. And trust me, running a brewery is a lot of fun, but it's, there's constant fire drills. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Get that. So for any listeners that maybe have never tried your beer before, um, would you describe kind of your, your variety of beer that you have um, for, you know, the, the listeners just to see, you know, if they would like to come into your tap room? Absolutely. Yeah. So our, our gateway beer is what I call it, like a gateway drug, is, um, is called Cali Creamin. And it's a vanilla cream ale. Mm. Uh, it sounds like it might be sweet, but it's not. It tastes like adult cream soda. And we use real Madagascar vanilla bean, and it's a, a basic cream ale recipe. It's only 5%, um, and it is the beer that pays the bills in this wow. business. We brew so much of that beer, it's incredible. Huh. Um, next would be, uh, would be Buku. Uh, Buku absolutely is the number, I think the number one selling through Hayden Distributing, that's our distributor. Mm -hmm. It's the number one selling IPA. It, it's, it fights with Dagger Falls back and forth. Um, and they have such a following because they've been here for so long. But sure. Buku, you know, we launched it live after five years ago uh, and it's grown and it's got popularity. Um, and that's a beer that, you know, when I used to go out to tasting rooms um, back 15 years ago, I would see nothing but guys in these tasting rooms. They all had wives or girlfriends, but they weren't drinking beer. Yeah. They were usually sitting there and they were texting or doing something. Um, and so I thought, you know, it, it would be, I love IPA, but you know, there's a scale that you can brew a beer in that still qualifies. So I, I wanted to brew an IPA on the lowest bittering side that could be available an IBU or how bitter the beer is. Um, so it was more approachable to, um, the opposite sex. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and I wanted it to smell really good. So when you open a can of our beer, if it's an IPA and we dry hop it, I want people to crack the can and they don't even have to put it to their face because the aroma will come out of it. Sure. And that's a big thing. It's a very attractive thing. Um, and so that's a, you know, that's truly a beer as an IPA. It's very approachable for everyone. Mm -hmm. Hop Diggity, the one I mentioned is a little more aggressive. 
And then we do a, a kind of a crowd pleaser in the, in the winter and year round now, and it's called milk truck and it's a coffee latte milk stout. So wow. it's five and a half percent. And on nitro, it's like drinking velvet. It's really chocolatey, really good. Um, that's in a can too. And good. we just have an assortment of other, other beers. You know, we yeah. do, we used to do a beer called syntax, which is a peanut butter stout. Uh, we walked away from that beer uh, a couple months ago because of the can shortage. Um, and everybody's suffering from the can shortage, um, mm -hmm. even myself. And so we had to pick the, the lowest producing beer we produced and just say, we're going to have to put it on a hiatus until the aluminum shortage starts mm -hmm. to look better. Wow. Jeez. That's yeah, I guess the, one of the next questions I was going to ask you about are, are trends. Obviously, COVID, and you've, you've described a couple of different examples of how that's affected you already. What other trends are you seeing in your industry mm. right now? Well, I'm, what I'm seeing is, uh, I mentioned earlier, we're seeing a lot of people that are, um, they're trying to shrink, they're trying to shrink their footprint because um, like everything, uh, this industry, the craft industry has grown year over year over year. Yes. The pandemic didn't, I mean, the pandemic helped growth, but I'm not sure that was real growth. That was, you know, that was a temporary thing and things are starting to get back to normal. The trend though you, that, that I'm seeing and it's happening in our industry is that there's a lot of big guys buying little guys mm -hmm. and they're not advertising that fact that they're buying the little guys. And typically the game plan, you know, for the big guys is, we're going to buy one of these breweries and let's just say, let's use 10 barrel for an example. Um, I have a lot of friends that worked there before they were bought and they're still my friends that work there still. But what they're, what the game plan for the big guys is, is to buy a, an entity like 10 barrel and then throw dollars at them and support them. But then eventually they turn into what happened to red hook and what's mm -hmm. happened to Widmere is that the big guy takes their shelf space Oh. And they kind of squeeze them out and they stop throwing money at them and the public forgets about them. Yes. Sure. And, you know, I'm, I'm noticing that 10 barrels just decided to walk away from two of their really, really great beers. And mm. I know that that was influenced by who bought them. Oh, yeah. So, so that's a, that's a, that's a trend that's, that's, you know, I'm not happy about it, but I'm, you know, who's to say if somebody approached me and said, we're going to give you, you know, like Ballast Point, they sold for a billion dollars. Come on, yeah. I mean that's ridiculous. Yeah, you sure. might walk away at that. That's right. I'd, I'd take a little less. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. We, we talked a little bit about your uh, commitment to this area, and I mentioned the the forty thousand square foot uh, facility you've got, but you also have another mm -hmm. exciting uh, venture happening in downtown. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing downtown Boise. Yeah, so December 17th, we finally uh, opened a tasting room in downtown Boise, um, and we're excited because COVID, COVID uh, happened, and we closed our tasting room in California, and we basically walked away from a building we'd been in for eight years, wow. and so not only did we lose like a, a place for people to go taste our beer, uh, we also lost all the revenue that went with it, and tasting rooms, they generate, they generate a, a, a fairly good amount of revenue for a business mm -hmm. but we just couldn't find the right place here and um i've been i work with a company here local called rocky mountain properties and um mike ferry is the owner good friend and he would occasionally bring stuff to the table and say this might be a good place this might be a good place and when he sh he showed me that property 
along with having the uh, River Caddis apartments built right around them. And we're kind of sitting in the elbow there. So we have a built-in clientele. Yep. I thought, you know, this is, this is the, this is the opportunity that we need to jump at. I had this mm-hmm. gut feeling that, you know, um, you know, it, it's going to be successful. And then of course the supply chain kind of slowed things up. We were supposed to open back when the last tree for it happened, but you know, just couldn't get, we couldn't yeah. get the things we needed to open the building. Everybody struggled from the same thing. Right. And then we were going to wait till January, but I said, you know what, we're, we're spending money. Um, like you know some drunk in vegas and i want to stop spending it and let's see if we can't get some revenue so we decided to open in december and it was it was a great opening slow slower in january and then february things picked up and now march now that the weather's changing you know we're going to finally put the patio furniture out next week we got a two thousand square foot giant patio outside the building and um and it's a fun place you know it's kind of a chill place when you go inside it's kind of comfortable and you know, it's all wood and steel. And uh, I mean, we did a really good job. I, I, I feel really comfortable when I sit in there too. Yeah, I've seen the pictures. It looks it looks really great. It'll be a great fit for this area too, for sure. Yeah, yeah I mean, not, there's not, nothing better than see, like last night I hosted the Snake River Brewers Home Brewing Club in at the nice. brewery in Nampa. And there's nothing like sitting around the equipment, you know, you mm-hmm. it, that's just a great connection when you can, and at the brewery we have, you know, in Nampa, you can go anywhere with a beer. You're not, I, I licensed the entire building. So it's not like you can't, you know, can't walk out of a certain area. You're going to get in trouble. You can, you can go anywhere in the building in Nampa and we freely tell people, yeah, walk around with your beer. Just don't touch anything. Right. right exactly. Yeah. I love that you have the whole facility there and people can watch the production and, and kind of that process, which is really fascinating to see. Um, in in action for sure. Yeah, I think uh, for our, our listeners, go and take a tour and uh, have a brew while you're over there. It's just off the freeway in Nampa. It's really easy mm-hmm. to get to. Even even for folks coming over from Boise, it's just you just jump off the freeway and you're there. So yeah. would encourage our listeners to go check that out. Yeah, it's only a 15 minute drive from downtown, and I know that when I first moved here, people said, "Oh, I'm not driving that far." <laughs> it's like I used to, I used to, I used to wait in line for hours in front right. of a Whole Foods just so I could get like Pliny the Elder, so I could get my four <laughs> bottles that they allowed you to buy mm-hmm. a month. Yeah, and I'd wait two hours for it. It's like, come on, you can drive fifteen minutes. That's exactly yes. right. Yes, and with your yeah. great tap room, it should be a good motivation to drive fifteen minutes from Boise. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> so, right. awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today yeah, yeah, and and letting us letting our listeners know more about you and your business and. We will definitely um, put all the information where people can go um, to your both tasting rooms, um, both in Nampa awesome. and Boise. And we really appreciate you being here in Canning County. It's a highlight to be able to um, just to share the great businesses that are in Canning County making a difference. And, and we're glad that you're one of those. Yeah. Thanks for coming to Canning yeah. County, Dan. We appreciate it. Absolutely. And, and let's, one last thing. I'd really like to thank Debbie Kling. Yes. Debbie, our mayor, um, I liked uh, our other mayor a lot, but he was a politician <laughs> and Debbie is definitely not that. And she has helped my business succeed um, well beyond what I could have ever done uh, by myself. She's a fantastic uh, partner for the city and for us. Yes, She's one of our first agree. first podcast guests ever yep. and yeah. a good and yeah. a good friend of ours. She's a great lady. Yeah. Yeah. So we totally she agree. Is. She is great. Yeah. So awesome. Well, thank you, guys. Thank yes, you. Dan. Thank you. Thanks you have so a much. wonderful day. All right. You too. Thank you. Happy Friday. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the iHeart2C podcast. 
Do you know someone or something that we should highlight? Would you like to get the word out about your business? Send us a message at podcast at iheart2c.com. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at iheart2c. If you like the podcast and are listening on Apple, make sure to leave a review. Until next time, keep it local and keep supporting Canyon County.